Good morning, everyone. <laughs> uh, we're going to be reading from the beginning of Ephesians, so from Ephesians 1, verse 1 to 14, if you want to follow along. <laughs> the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, thus in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he, ble- which he has blessed us with in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Father, I thank you so much that as we sit under your word, oh, your love and the joy that you bring us, Father, I want to lift up Paul, Father, as he comes and yeah, preaches to us this morning. Father, I thank you for him and Kate, Lord, and their incredible dependence on you, Lord. Yeah, I just pray, Father, that as he speaks, Lord, um, yeah, I just pray against any distraction that threatened to rob us, Father, of just being able to to hear what you have to say to us this morning, Lord. I just pray that your spirit would be at work in him, Lord, and that you would just incline our hearts and our minds, Lord, to what you have to say this morning, Lord. May you propel us in faith, Father, using our hands and our feet um, to glorify your name. Amen. Thanks, Francie. Guys, it is so good to be together. Isn't this wonderful? Uh, is it just me? Yeah. Isn't this wonderful? <laughs> Sitting together, I've got Josh on board there. Right, so Batesy already mentioned it, but I just want to mention it again. Today is the day that you need to sign up for Tuesday night. We're going to be talking predominantly out of Romans 9, an amazing passage. We'll also be looking at Ephesians 1, and we're going to be talking about predestination, about being chosen around our role in that, whether God chooses us, whether we kind of reach towards God. All of those things are going to be on the table. We're going to talk about it. We're going to have a discussion. It's a big evening, so that's where we're going to, that's where we're going to deep dive. I don't want to do that in my sermon this morning. We'll definitely touch on it, but that's not what I'm focusing in on for this morning. But you need to sign up today so that we know what venue to organize, right? Obviously, we've got venue realities right now and masks and all of this, so I need you to sign up by today. I think, on the, I think there's sign-ups, if you haven't signed up on email or what's on the, where the communion stations are, you can sign up 
over there. So that's how we do that. All right, so let's start in Ephesians. I'm sure you got it all from the first reading, right? Such a, such a straightforward path, Ephesians chapter 1, but it's absolutely beautiful. So we're going to launch straight into it. This morning, my sermon is titled, All Praise to God. All Praise to God, and you'll see why it's titled that in a moment. But we start in verse 1, and it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Now, if you throw your mind back to last week, we were speaking about when Jesus comes to town, right? The birthing of this church, this Ephesian church, it's about 10 years before this. And Paul, very clearly, is not someone who's looking for Jesus. Paul is someone who is persecuting the church. He's somebody who is partaking in the murder of Christians, Right? He's endorsing the murder of Christians. And so when Paul says that he is an apostle by the will of God, he quite literally means by the will of God. In other words, I wasn't doing anything to find this. This wasn't my will. Jesus came and chose me. In fact, in another section of Scripture, it says that Paul was chosen to be an instrument to the Gentiles. God's chosen instrument to the Gentiles, right? So by the will of God. But if we think about this Ephesian church, Paul was there for three years. And as he was there, and Apollo was there, and Priscilla and Aquila were teaching in the name of Jesus and the message of Jesus, revival broke out in that town. We spoke about this last week, how suddenly they're burning millions of rands worth of books. There's miracles happening. Demons are fleeing. And the most incredible miracle of all, the great miracle of all is that men and women begin to call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. And the early church in Ephesians springs up. Now this morning, this morning the text is really about two key things. The one is about spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. What are these spiritual blessings? And the other one is about in Christ. And we're going to speak about those two things. And we're going to focus particularly this morning on in Christ. So are you with me so far? Very straightforward. Three simple questions we're going to ask. We're going to ask what? Right? Everyone, just humor me. Say what? What, what, right? what are these spiritual blessings? What are they? The second thing we're going to speak about is how. Right? If you're here, thanks, Josh. You're getting it. Josh is getting it. Everyone say how. how? Right? If you hear about a blessing, if you hear about someone saying, man, there's free stuff being given out at the mall. You want to know, right? What's the next question you want to know? How? How do, I, how do I get it? Where do I have to go? What, what, how long does it last for? How? And then the third question is why? Why? There we go. Now we're really starting to warm up. Why has God given us these blessings? I could have called this one who, because it's really in line with the character of God. Who is this God that gives us these every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? All right. Does that make sense? Where are we going? All right, so what is the first one? Spiritual blessings. Well, Paul starts off and he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that little phrase, blessed be, can also be rendered praise to God. All praise to God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And what I want you to notice is that Paul plunges straight into praise. This whole text in Ephesians 1 is actually just Paul exalting and praising the greatness of God. Paul's heart is so full. I had a voice note from my grand this week. Those of you who know me, my grand is a very formative spiritual person in my life. I lived with her for eight or nine years of my childhood. And my grand sent me an 11 minute long voice note. And one of the things my grand does, she's nearly 90 years old. One of the things she just does completely spontaneously is she just 
bursts into praise. She's asking me about how my boy's finger is. My boy hurt, my little six-year-old hurt his finger a few weeks ago. And she's saying, how's Joshi's finger? And then she goes, oh, let me just tell you about the greatness of God in protecting this family. I have 36 grandchildren. I have 60, I think it's 64 or 65 great-grandchildren. She's custodian of more than 100 direct descendants. And she just bursts into praise of God. And it's peppered throughout her Voice note, 11 minutes, effectively there's like four minutes of information and like seven minutes of just praise to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's nothing false, there's nothing contrived, and this is what Paul is doing. Guys, and let me remind us, is that truth alone is not our objective. It's not enough to simply hold the right doctrines. These doctrines are meant to lead us to praise. They're meant to lead us to worship. They lead us to who the doctrines are written about. They lead us to Jesus. So the question really is, what is Paul praising about? What is he getting so excited about that he's, that he's blessed be this God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ? All praise to God. Well, he's getting so excited because he's thinking about every spiritual blessing that the Ephesians and that he and that we today have in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's thinking about. That's why he's getting so excited about these every spiritual blessings. And then to explain this text to you from verse 4, which you're going to do a little group exercise right now. From verse 4, effectively Paul double-clicks on every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And verse 4 to 14 is him telling you what every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is. Does that make sense? So what I want you to do for the next five minutes, just in little groups, if you're being really COVID safe, just do it on your own. But if just in, in small little groups, I want to encourage you to read that text again and pull out in your group every blessing that you can see, every spiritual blessing that you can see in that text. Write it down if you've got a piece of paper and pen. Discuss it. Five minutes time, we come back together. Go for it. All right, let's go. I forgot to welcome the Overflow group this morning. I think there's like 30 of you guys at Johannes and Ali's house. It's so good to have you guys with us and anyone watching at home as well. Guys, and we really, really need to pray. This is a a serious moment, please. We need to pray for a building. This place is incredible. Middle Flay are amazing. They've blessed us, but we need to pray for a place that we can all come and gather again. We heard from Akerstadt again this week that we still can't go in. They still can't give us an answer for when we can go in. So we want to pray creatively for God to give us a space in this town of Stellenbosch. He knows what he's doing, right? All right, so some of you throw out... Throw out a few of these blessings that you found. Hello. <laughs> Throw out a few of the blessings that you found in this text. Come on, read. Give me one. The? Adopted. Beautiful. Forgiveness of sins. Holiness, I heard someone say. What else? Redemption. We are chosen. What a blessing. Yes, Frederick. What else? Any other ones on you? Unity, marked by the Spirit, the guarantee of the Spirit in our hearts. All right, Dave, will you throw that slide up for us? Was that already up? Oh, good, well done. <laughs> I'm just like, 
If you go back into verse 2, you'll see these two little sneaky ones in there as well. I mean, grace is all through there, but there's peace as well. And grace, grace means help from God when I don't deserve it. That's the easiest way to explain grace, that when you desperately need help and you don't have anything in the credit column, where you don't have anything where you can say, God, remember when I did this and now you owe me? There's nothing in the credit column. You don't, God doesn't owe you anything and you desperately need His help. When you push the I need help button, the fact that the Creator is on the end of the line and saying, I want to help you, that's grace. Undeserved help from God. Peace that I'm chosen, holy, blameless. What, if, what a blessing. I mean, imagine if I asked you for an adjective from your week. Imagine if I asked one of your friends, could you tell me an adjective about Tom this week? Uh, <laughs> hey? I mean, graceless, sure. Grumpy, stressed. I was really busy this week. Imagine being given the gift, the blessing of God looking at us and going, blameless. You know what your week was? Blameless. Sons and daughters, redemption, we're going to speak about that in a moment, forgiveness, inheritance. Imagine being given an inheritance by God, that, there's, there's, that you're so grafted into the family, that you're not just called like, oh, you're sort of like a son. No, you're a son that I'm going to leave stuff for. I'm going to leave an inheritance, hope, good news, guarantee, and there's a whole lot more. I, I wonder, I just wonder if anybody in the room today or anybody watching today needs any of these in their lives. I just wonder if perhaps, just on the off chance, that it might be that some of us need a little bit of forgiveness this morning. We sit here with guilt in our hearts and we say, God, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I just wonder if some of us need reminding that we have an eternal inheritance. Maybe you're going through some really difficult financial stuff. Maybe everything you've had physically in your hands has disappeared. All the earthly inheritance and you need reminding that there's a glorious inheritance. Far more beautiful than any business you could have owned or bank account that you could have had or bitcoins that you could have had. I wonder if some of us in this room need any of that. I, I hope that as we hear of those blessings, there's a few questions that come to mind. What would... What would my life look like with these things? If I truly, as a Christ follower, if you are a Christ follower, if I could truly grasp that God looks at me and says, Paul, you're holy. Paul, you're, you're blameless. Paul, you're my son. It doesn't say daughter. That's for some other people. These incredible things. Imagine what my life would look like if I truly grasped that. Imagine what life must feel like if you don't have those things. And then surely one of the biggest questions we have to ask when we see those blessings is, how do we get them? They're so beautiful, God. How, how, how do I get these blessings? Now, let me use grace as an example. It's one of the, one of the blessings that's kind of shot throughout this passage. But really, grace gives us, in this, any of, I could have used any of them, but it gives us the pattern for how we receive these spiritual blessings blessings, right? Because Paul has another spontaneous praise moment. He has a few of them. But if you read with me in verse 5, it says, He predestined us 
for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And he has this like this praise of his glorious grace. Isn't it crazy that he doesn't say to the praise of his glorious wisdom or to the praise of his glorious might? What Paul's praising, what he's like, what he's so excited about is his glorious grace. And then the question really is, how do you receive this particular blessing? This glorious grace that Paul is just spontaneously praising, how do you receive it? Well, this is the critical part, and this is the most important thing I'm going to say all morning. This is the key to what I want to teach today. Enter Jesus. Enter Jesus. Jesus. You see what he says? How do we receive this glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved? Who's the beloved? The beloved is Jesus. How do we receive the blessing? In the beloved. Right? Now, Jesus, Jesus himself coming is the great blessing. Jesus is the blessing, right? But this, scripture speaks about those who've, who've longed to see the day that we walk in. Scripture speaks about angels marveling at the plan of God in sending Jesus. But really, the, the great blessing is Jesus himself, but it spills over into us. It spills over. So let me, let me reverse this. I'm asking the question, how do we receive these great blessings? Let me reverse this a little bit and go up to the very top of Ephesians chapter 1. Who's Paul writing to? Who is he writing to? Who are these blessings for? Well, the saints. Read it then, verse 1. To the saints who are in Ephesus, to the saints who are in Stellenbosch, and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So who are the blessings for? Those who are in Christ Jesus. Now what does that mean? Right? Because that's the title of this eight-week series. We literally have called this eight-week series in Ephesians, In Christ. That's what we've called it. And this phrase, or similar phrases, is 40 times in the book of Ephesians. Think about that. In Christ, through Christ, in Him. 40 times in the book of Ephesians, at least. It's more than 160 times, I think it's 167, more than 160 times in Paul's writings alone. He uses this almost identical phrase, in Christ, through Christ, in Him we have, in, 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 in. Right? Now follow, follow with me here. We're still speaking about how do we receive these blessings. And I'm trying to, I'll get to the point, but you'll, you'll get it with me in a moment. But look right from the beginning, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, we just read it, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ. Now go down to verse 2, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, say it with me, in Christ. Another way of saying that, by the way, is because we are united with Christ. That's actually how the NLT translates it. So in other words, you have, Siggy, you have every spiritual blessing you have available to you in the heavenly places because you are united with Christ. Because you are in Christ, you have the blessing, right? And we're just going to carry on. Uh, end of verse 4. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Go down to verse 5. He, pre he predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons 
through Jesus. Look with me in verse 6. Are you following? Have you got a Bible? Is it on there? To the praise in verse 6 of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. The very next line. In Him we have redemption through the blood. Is it beginning to drop? Is the penny beginning to drop here? Alright, go to verse 10 because I don't think we got it yet. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him. Verse 11. In Him we have obtained an inheritance. Verse 12, so that we who were the first to hope in, in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Verse 13, in Him you also, further down in verse 13, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Are you getting it? The way that these blessings come to us are in the blessing on Jesus Himself and the blessings overflow into our lives. Every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ is the way that Paul, in this epistle, says it. Now, I want, to, I want to use an illustration here for those of us who are struggling or even just to push it further into our hearts. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. I want you to imagine for a moment that you are a very poor orphan living in really awful circumstances, Right? You're an orphan, you're penniless, and you're in terrible circumstances. But you have a wealthy friend, and your wealthy friend says to you, my family and I are going to Switzerland on a, on a holiday. We're going skiing in Switzerland. It's going to be so awesome. And they tell you about Switzerland and all the fun they've had when they've been there before, because they're very wealthy, right? And so you get so excited in your heart, but the next day your friend comes and says, I spoke to my mom and dad, and they've asked if you want to come with us on holiday, right? What happens in your heart in that moment? You're like so excited. You're going to go and stay on this skiing holiday. So you get on the plane, and it's the first time you've been on the plane, and it's incredible. It's just so much fun. They like bring you free food, and like you watch movies. I mean, you, go, you just go with little kids on the plane. It's like the world has opened up to them for the first time. Every blessing in the spiritual realms. We're like, we're in the heavenly realms, Dad. It's Qantas. You stay in hotels that they've paid for. You eat food that's delightful. You have fun. He buys his daughter or his son clothes and treats and a new pair of headphones. And just because you're there, you get them as well. And they, they spoil you as well. And, and, and why were you blessed? You're only blessed because of your friend. Because of your friend, you were blessed. And in this friendship, you receive these blessings. Now, that's just a silly holiday, right? That's, I mean, it's awesome. Uh, if anyone's going to Switzerland, I'll come, right? But Ephesians is talking about us so living in Christ that our whole identity changes. And we, when God looks at us and sees the blessing and He wants to pour out His blessing on Jesus, we too are in Christ. And we're like, oh, we're getting these blessings too. We're on holiday with Jesus, not to stretch the metaphor too far. It's beautiful. And then, a few days later, she comes or he comes to you again and after you've got back from Switzerland and says, you know what, my family have been speaking and actually our mom and dad want to know if you want to come and be part of the family. We want to adopt you. Adoption. We want to call you. They want to call you son and daughter. In fact, they so want you to, they so want you to feel part of the family that they're going to show you the will. And in the will, it says there, for Paul, I leave my house. I leave my 
whatever it is, and you even have a, 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 an inheritance. And then they say, and we so want you to know that you're going to have this inheritance, that there's something so beautiful that's a family heirloom, and we're going to give this to you. And every time that you look at this thing, we want you to remember that this is the guarantee of what's to come. And that's what Ephesians is calling the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, every time that we, we recognize the Holy Spirit at work in us and in our hearts, it's a reminder of God saying, yes, this is the down payment, this is the beginning, this is the guarantee of what I've given you. An inheritance in my family. Isn't this precious? In Christ. In Christ. Guys, I, I want to push this home because I think we miss this. I think we miss this so much. We, we have this understanding of Jesus coming into our hearts. And it's a beautiful understanding, and it's a precious truth. But guys, we kind of like put it as a little bolt onto our lives. And it's as if our life just carries on in its normal old way with our old habits and our old sins. And as if we're still just living under the, the old curses of the law, instead of being awakened to the fact that God sees us differently like it's completely different it's not just jesus coming into my heart yeah like a little privatized little religion thing going on this is radical change this is quantum shift this is addiction breaking this is healing this is identity shaping this is massive listen to how i went to colossians because i just love how paul says it in colossians in colossians 1 verse 12 he says listen to this he has enabled you me, to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Listen to this language. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. This is the language of Scripture for what's going on when you give your heart to Jesus. It's a transferal from a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. This is how Peter says it in, in 1 Peter. He says, you weren't a people. You didn't have a people. He says, now you have a people. This is how Peter says it. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellency of Him who called you. Why? He wants you to give Him glory. Why? Because He took you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Kingdom of darkness, kingdom of my dear Son. Darkness, light. Philippians speaks about it like this. You were a change of citizens. You were a citizen of South Africa. Now you're a citizen of... No, it's the wrong way around. You're a citizen of the United Kingdom. Now you're a citizen of South Africa. Woo! This is how Philippians speaks about us coming to faith. Complete change of citizenship. This is how Jesus speaks about it. In John 5, I assure you, Jesus says, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Every scripture you can find about this speaks about this massive transformation. Like, just think about being dead and the smell of death upon your life. 
Think about a, a family where a father does not follow Jesus and, and his children. Are his children able to say, my dad used to smell like death walking around this place. My dad used to, used to be angry and this and that and grumpy and he, the home smelled like death. And then my dad came to know Jesus and something happened in our family. So this is practical. And suddenly there's a new... But do you get it? This is what being in Christ means. It doesn't mean you wake up and have a quiet time. It doesn't mean you pull out of your daily bread a scripture to keep you going for the day. And these are good things. These are wonderful things. But it's so much more. It's so much more. This is what Jesus says again. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. In Christ. I thought of getting one of the biggest men in the room up here and one of the smallest people and hiding the smallest person. Have you seen this one? Behind the biggest person. And everywhere that you try and see the smallest person, the big person just turns. That's what it's like in Christ. When God looks at Jesus, He looks at me. He looks at you. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places are ours in Christ Jesus. Oh, guys, there's so much I want to say here. You, you can't receive these spiritual blessings from following principles. You can't, like some, some people hear a story about someone who tithes and then God doubled their money and so now they tithe because they're hoping God's going to double their money, like hashtag blessed. It's like, you know, it, it's basically like Christian Bitcoin. <laughs> guys, you can't. Yes, God honors His Word, and yes, there are principles in God's Word, and yes, we should tithe. All of these things are godly things, but it's not the principle that leads us. It's being in Christ that unlocks the blessings of God over our lives. You can't receive these things by being a good person. This should fill us with relief, because we're not good people. You can't receive these things by trying harder. Just try harder not to sin. Try harder to be a good Christian. How many of us are living under this absolute nonsense? I love the picture of, of water baptism. If you haven't been water baptized as an adult, you need to be water baptized. We want to water baptize you. Let us know. We'll find a moment. It's, it's powerful. I think six of us, six, six people on our last student camp, were baptized in that cold reservoir in Sutherland. And every year we baptize people. But the, the, the scriptural language of baptism is immersion. This is the proper picture of this transferal of kingdoms, of death to life. You're dead. I like how the Zionists do it because they keep you under there for a long time. We used to go to the beach in Uvongo and watch them dunking people for a long time. And then they bring them back out again. And the person's just so grateful to be alive. But that's the biblical picture, right? Of baptism. Full immersion. Now maybe you're a Christ follower here this morning and you say Paul my life doesn't look like that that doesn't describe that doesn't describe what I've experienced you know I kind of just came to Jesus but really if I'm honest I just kept on with the same sort of life and I'm nicer and I am more polite to people and I try and think about others a little bit more but really it is like just a bolt on. Friends, I want to beg you. I want to, I want to implore you to stop and to think. It can, biblically, it cannot be. 
Biblically, it cannot be that this is our lives and we need to stop and we need to evaluate and say, Lord, your word shows me so clearly that it's a kingdom transformation. It's from death to life. It's from citizenship here to citizenship there. And there's so many other scriptures we could go to that show this. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you aren't a Christian, but what I am very clearly saying, because I love you, is that you are anemic in your faith. I'm very clearly and kindly, as kindly as I can, trying to say that God has not called you to that immaturity. God has called you to be transferred into His kingdom so that in Christ you can grow up. You can grow up into these beautiful spiritual blessings where you know, where you know that you are His son. Where you know that you're his daughter and not every time you sin, you spiral into this dark place for three weeks because you're just so full of condemnation because you haven't grasped what we have in Christ Jesus. Are you with me? Are you encouraged? Maybe, maybe you say, well, I'm not a believer. Maybe you're honest enough to say, I, I don't follow God. This morning. Well, how, how does this transfer happen? Well, Colossians that we read just now says it so beautifully. For He rescued us. Friends, God has chosen people to come to Him. And if your heart, if something in your heart is you watching or listening to the preached Word of God, faith comes by hearing. And as faith stirs in your heart, if you are being drawn to God, He has chosen you. Come and say, I need to be rescued I need to be transferred, God. I smell like death, and I need life. Right? This is how we come to faith. And I, I think we make a big deal about the exact words that we use. I don't think God cares. I think God looks in on our hearts, and when we are desperately crying out and saying, God, I see my life looks like that, and I see that your word says I can have that, and I want that, I think God comes in the simplest silliest, whatever words we want to use, the words of a three-year-old, the words of a 60-year-old person who's never set foot in church in their lives and doesn't know how to pray, God says, yes. And in that moment, we are what we would call saved. Salvation, rescued, as Colossians says. Guys, this is the most incredible blessing for those of us who believe, right? What wonder it is to be truly in Christ. What wonder it is. Limitless grace. We're going to speak next week more about the plan of God. And, and we're going to go into some of the detail around these blessings. But where Paul says that the riches of His grace. It's like there's this warehouse full of the riches of God's grace. But the, the difference with this warehouse is that it just never ends. As long as you can see, it's just, it's just the riches of God's grace. And every time that we need God's help and we're undeserving, which is always, we come to Him and we say, God, I need your help. And His grace, the riches of His grace pays for the help. That's the kind of the, 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 the mental picture I have for it. Right. Are you with me still? What? I've spoken about that, the blessings. How? In Christ. And that's what I want you to leave with today. In Christ. And the last one is this. Why? Why has God lavished these blessings on us? What's, what's His purpose? What's God's end goal in giving us all these blessings? Well, let me read a few more verses from Ephesians for us. Verse 4 and 5. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, 
that we should be blameless, should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Now, there's a little bit of there's a, this full stop over here, over there, is a little bit contentious because a lot of guys say it should come over here after in love. So, in other words, it should read. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. And then new sentence, He predestined us. Or you can read it like it is written here in the ESV. In love, He predestined us. I don't think it's important at all. The point really is God loved us. That's the point of both. If you read it either way you want to read it, it's fine. The point is, why has God done this? Why has God given us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus? And the answer is John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. And it says it right here. In love, He predestined us, right? That's the point. You go back to verse 3 and it says, Blessed be or all praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. What do you take from that verse? God wants to bless me. God wants to bless us. Guys, and the reason that I'm the reason that I'm putting this right up front here on the why is because I think that the great tragedy of this text in Ephesians chapter 1 is that it gets so hijacked by the predestination conversation and did God choose and who chose and who reached out to who and it gets so we get so focused on the doctrine part of it that we miss the real beauty of what's going on in Ephesians 1 that God chose us because he loved us because he loved us and he wants to bless us. And this whole, the tragedy is that this whole passage is shouting out all praise to God, the goodness of God, the wonder of salvation. But I speak to so many Christians where it seems like they come out the other end of this passage or Romans 9 or other passages like that. And they come out the other end saying, God is not fair. This is unjust. How come God chooses some and God doesn't choose others? And I don't want to go, and I don't, I don't want to undermine what you, what, let me go back on that. I don't want to just come and, and glibly say you're being silly or anything like that. You're not being silly. It's a great question. But what I do want to say is that that, that is not the heart of this text. The heart of this text is God loves you and God wants to bless you. Not God is unfair and God is unjust right that's the we've been talking a lot about the true story versus the false story and the false story often takes center stage here that somehow god is is unjust and god is unkind and universalism comes in our modern world every day and somewhere we would hear this a god of love would never send anyone to hell Have you heard that maybe you said that a god of hell would ne- a god of a god of love would never send anyone to hell. If you believe that, you're looking at it from completely the wrong angle. Right? And I'll say it, it's a long conversation, but I'll just very briefly touch on it. Right? Everyone is going to hell. Not because God created hell and is trying to send people to hell because of you and because of me. Our sin. This is what Romans says. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every person on the planet deserves to go to hell. Not because God doesn't love them, because we sinned. 
I loved in the Tim Mackey preacher we watched a few weeks ago that he asked this question. In the, in the Genesis encounter of, of, of God creating the world, do you see hell being created? God looks at it, the whole world and says, very good. Did God look at hell and say, very good? No. Right? It only comes in with our, with our sin. But let me ask you this question. Did God have to come? So if everyone is going to hell and everyone deserves to go to hell because of our sin, did God have to come? No. Why did he come? Because God so loved that he sent so that we may have every spiritual blessing in Jesus, which is Jesus himself. And so the, the, when you think about the unfairness part of this, and you think, well, a God of love wouldn't send people to hell. No, everyone's going to hell. And because God is love, God chooses that some don't. God, in his love, takes men and women who are destined for hell and says, no, I'm calling for myself a people. I'm calling for myself a people. That's love. That's every spiritual blessing. Why has God lavished these blessings on us? Well, look at verse 7 to 10, because this is the immediate part that would follow, right? So verse 7 to 10, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will. So God, if you are rescuing some, but not all, and that's not unfair, but you actually want to love us, and you actually want to bless us, well, why? And this next part goes on so beautifully, and it just says simply, because I'm all wise, and I have all insight. And I know that's not satisfying. I know that's deeply unsatisfying. So the, the metaphor that, that has helped me the most, since I remember this from my teenage years, I remember imagining one day when I was pondering on this verse, I think I was about 14 or 15, and I remember thinking about a keyboard on a computer, and thinking about, I don't know why it's always been the J key, but it was the J key. And I'm a little ant, and I'm running around on the J key. And I think I've found life. I think I've got it. I think I've got all the answers to life. I'm on the J key, people. I'm like running around on my keyboard. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. This is J. Oh, yeah, I get it. I understand it. Look at this. This one goes here. This part goes there. This is the key. Completely oblivious as this little ant to the power of the computer below me. Completely oblivious to what's actually going on in the processing power. Guys, and some of this, I can, on Tuesday, come along, and we're going we're gonna to take this a lot further, this conversation, a whole lot further down the line in terms of how and why and all of those questions. But at the end of the day, you reach a point where it is mysterious. And we will not know this side of heaven. And if you're kind of holding out saying, well, until I can see and understand everything that's going on in this keyboard and everything that's going on in the process of this computer, I'm not budging. God is unfair. You're going to stay right there. Because there's a mystery here that we do not get. But what I do know and what I can put my, my good foot on is that God is loving. And God's heart is to bless. And there's nothing unfair. And there is nothing unjust. And one day we will see that too. And one day, exactly what Paul's doing here, we will explode in praise as we realize what God has done through choosing some. And then he carries on in verse 10, speaking about this God who is all wisdom, 
all insight according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. We're going to speak about this next week. What's the plan? To unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. And here's the crazy part. We actually all want that plan. Every single person on the whole planet wants that plan. Think about it. A beauty person, like a beauty model thing, what Miss South Africa, standing up on stage and, and saying she wants world peace. You know, the stereotype. What, what does she actually want? She wants God's plan to unite all things in Him. Unite all things in heaven and all things on earth. That all men would be reconciled. That one day every man and every woman would no longer fight wars. What does Al Gore want with his documentary on global warming? He wants creation to be united again. He wants the disparity of global warming and the destruction of our earth to be brought back into unity again the way that God intended it. He doesn't know it. He'll never say it. But what he's actually saying is Ephesians 10. Ephesians 1 verse 10. To unite all things in Him. Things in heaven and things on earth. This is what your next door neighbor wants. They're never going to use this language. We're never going to use this language. Hopefully we will after some of this teaching. But we all use different language, but effectively, without realizing it, everyone, everywhere, in the whole world, is using their own language to describe God's incredible plan of wisdom. That, as a plan for the fullness of time, all things would be united. Things in heaven, and things on earth. Now, let me end with this. Why does Paul... We're still talking about why. Why has God given us these blessings? Why does Paul keep on exploding in praise all through this text? Why is he doing my grandma on me all the way through this Ephesians 1? Well, do you remember back in the very beginning, we spoke about how Paul wasn't looking for Jesus. Do you remember how we spoke about Paul was doing the very opposite of looking for Jesus? He was trying to destroy Jesus' church. And he says, I'm an apostle by the will of God. God just appeared in this Damascus, Damascus road experience and said, Paul, you're mine. I chose you before the foundation of the world to be an apostle to the Gentiles, my tool to the Gentiles. Come. The reason that Paul keeps on exploding is that this is the story of Paul's life. Ephesians 1 is not just Paul writing about doctrine. Paul is writing his testimony. He's writing about his life. When Paul's speaking about being chosen, when there's no way that you could choose yourself, he's writing about him. He's saying, I was executing the believers. I was the one persecuting the church. When you look in Acts at the response of the believers to Paul when he comes to salvation, what is their response? Suspicion, doubt, fear. They're afraid of this man who's been persecuting the church. These Christians who've seen the most incredible miracles, who've seen Jesus raised from the dead, even they can't believe that Paul has come to faith. Even they're like, no, uh-uh. Anyone but Paul, right? You look at the fearful response. I mean, doesn't this fill us with hope, guys? Doesn't this beautifully speak to us who feel utterly disqualified and far from God? Who feel like Paul in the story, who's writing these explosions of praise? Why? How can he praise like that? Because he's experienced it. He knows what it's like to be far from God, to feel completely disqualified. He knows what it's like to try and fix himself up through the Pharisee system that he was literally part of by trying to keep the law and it never being enough. Maybe today 
You're praying for someone. And they are far, far, far from God. And you can't see, in any of your wildest imagination, you can't see how that person would choose God. You can't see how in the drugs that they're in, or the brokenness that they're in, or the anger that they're experiencing, or their hate towards their parents who are Christians, or the church who are, whatever it is, you're praying from someone far from God and you've reached the end. There's no more hope that they can choose God for themselves. Well, thank you, God, that you chose Paul. Thank you, God, that you reach into the most desperate situations where no one is looking for you, and you say, Man, Man, this is a doctrine that fills us with hope, people. This is a doctrine that fills us with hope. If you're holding on and you've lost hope for those who don't know Jesus that you love, friend, don't lose hope. Pray more. Pray. God has chosen for himself a people. So this is Paul's response, this praise. I'm nearly there because of his experience of being in Christ. He is the personal recipient of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so let me ask you, it's the closing question. Let me ask you, as you Christians in the room, Christians watching online, as you have received Christ, as you are now in Christ, what is your fitting response? What is your fitting response? And I think, Ephesians chapter 1 finishes this, this last part that we're going to read in verse 14. In Him, I'm going to read it for you. In Him, you have obtained an inheritance. You were predestined. Every one of you that believe in Jesus Christ, you were predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will so that you who were the first to hope in Jesus Christ, might be to the praise of His glory, that we would give praise to God because of you. Verse 13, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until, of your inheritance, until you acquire possession of it to the praise of of His glory. And that's the response. That's our response. It's worship. It's not God you're unfair. That's the false story. It's worship. It's God, I don't get this. But man, thank you. Thank you. All praise to God. Father, as we close out our time this morning in communion, I want to pray that our hearts would explode with the song from Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All praise to God who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We praise Your name. We worship You, God. Lord, every heart that's grown cold, I pray that their heart of fire would start again, ignite it in every prodigal son and daughter's heart in this place or watching this video. Lord, let their hearts be stirred again. All praise to God. Lord, I've spoken so briefly over huge topics today. Just in your grace, I pray that you'd come and cover those who are struggling with these very real questions. 
these very real grapplings. I don't mean to be dismissive. I don't mean to just cut through them in a glib kind of way. Father, but Lord, I know that over all of those things, when we've worked out the details, that you are good and that you are loving and that you are just and that you are fair and that you are redeeming and rescuing and calling a people for yourself. We praise you and we bless you. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.